The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the Westlawn community since 1947. listening to the Joe Mays and j Rap Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, stuck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. College football. But now Blackman is going to put it up on first down. He's going for the bundle. Garrity! Touchdown! And the NFL. The Denver Broncos are world champions. They have just won Super Bowl 50. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 219th episode of the Joe Mays and JRF Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good good to be here, and um, you know, we we've had a little break. You know, we have some other things going on, um, show related and non-show related, uh, but it, it's good to be back and perfect timing. You know, it, there might not be as much football. Uh, right now, but it doesn't get much more important in terms of football um, as as the football that's taking place right now. Yeah, definitely. And we are back from our holiday hiatus. We missed uh, a lot of what was happening at the end of the NFL season, but we're back at, like Justin said, the best time of the year in terms of pro football because we are here to talk about the wild card weekend games and uh, preview the divisional round games, which are all now set in stone, both the matchups and the time and day that they'll be going down next Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, we're down to what our, our elite eight in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Down, down to the eight. Um, when you look at it, it's kind of interesting because I'm not sure. Um, even at the end of the season that, these are, you know, if you rank your top eight teams, I don't know if these would be the eight that everybody picks. Some of them certainly would be, but you have some other teams that uh, win these divisional game or these wild card weekend game uh, and end up, you know, in that uh, divisional weekend. Um, and that's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, had a little bit of uh, chaos, not chaos, but you know, you had some teams kind of losing games that people thought they would win in certain situations occurring and all of a sudden you end up with playoff scenarios that you know maybe with two weeks left in the season you didn't necessarily think was going to be the case so um made for some interesting games this weekend well made for some interesting (laughs) scenarios well i mean if you're just looking at the box score none of the games were really that interesting If, if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the finals at no point would you be wow those were some good games now if you took the time and actually watched the games all of them had their moments and all of them had parts like most NFL games do that one thing goes differently. And I'm not going to say that the team that ended up losing by a few touchdowns would win, but it would be a much different game. Absolutely. You You can look to turning points in almost all of the games 
where if that one thing goes differently, again, not saying that the game would be, the outcome would have been different, um, but it may have, well, let me phrase that, the outcome may have been different, but um, it may not have had a different winner. Right. Um, so, well, I mean, look, Houston, Oakland, the Texans won. Uh, they went with Brock Osweiler, seems to be in good mood. Whereas we know that the Raiders were with their third string quarterback, Connor Cook, making his first ever start. And there was some debate on the sidelines. And Coach Jack Del Rio was actually talked out of going to Matt McGloin, who is the backup but didn't start because of a shoulder injury that right. prevented him from doing so. But because the offense was performing so badly, he wanted to make the switch and they didn't. A lot of people think if they would have, things would have been a little bit different. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. As a Penn Stater, I'd right. like to think so. I'd like but to also, think, Bill O'Brien right. is the Texans coach. Right. I like to think they would have had a shot, but at the same time, I just don't know. You know, it's amazing because um, somebody put that game in perspective and they said, uh, you know, if you leave that game, you're like, oh, Brock Osweiler is clearly the better quarterback, you know, all this stuff. No, not a knock on Connor Cook. It's first real start, you know, it was his first start in his professional career as a playoff game on the road. But if you look at Osweiler's stats from the game, they were not pretty at all. And if you just look at the stat line, you're like, oh my gosh, Osweiler laid an egg in the playoffs. However, his numbers are so much better compared to Connor Cooks (laughs) that they look, you know, he was able to lead his team to a win. And the Texans defense um, played really well. Uh, you know, I think I can speak for myself here. I kind of got off of the Texans um, a lot after they were just so bad at New England early in the season. I mean, they were awful. Yeah. They got embarrassed, and Brady wasn't even playing yet, and it was just one of the least competitive professional football games you'll see. Um, and so when I, when I think about that, you know, I just – I never really bought back into them the rest of the year. Now, they beat a Raiders team that was flying really? high <laughs> and then lost their quarterback slash MVP candidate, yep. Derek Carr. Um, which, which we could by have the a way, whole show about yes. that circumstance. Oh, by the way, he's uh, up for a contract after this. Like, his contract is up after this year. Is it really? I think so. I think so. I thought no, he had another no, year. Now, maybe he has another year, but they said, I think they said they're entering negotiations. It might um, be next year and okay. they're trying to prevent and, it. But somebody said, you just look at it like if you look at his position, he's got he's got the, the cards right now um, just because it's, uh, you know, they, they were flying along pretty well and then he got hurt and they the bottom dropped out. Yeah, he's going to say, look, now, I'm your MVP. You can say, look, they have a bunch of other uh, pro bowlers and, and they should be able to. Um, you know, pick up the slack. Yeah, well, their left tackle, who was a pro bowler, was out for the game. And their center was out for a portion of the game, who was also a pro bowler. Um, you know, so that's not going to help. Next year is his last year. Next year is his last year. He was a second-round pick in the 2014 draft. Uh, he signed a four-year, $5.37 million contract. And uh, 2017 is his last under that contract. Now, he's obviously earned a much bigger contract Um Four years, five million. He'll be making double that per year on his next next oh, contract. At least, at least, um, especially if he if he starts out strong. 
you know, at the beginning. I'd say uh, of because next he's year. young and the market keeps fluctuating, we see the salary cap is rising. He's probably looking at twelve to fourteen per. I was going to say like sixteen or seventeen. You think of that high? Right. Wow. Just because I a if young you look star. At some of the other things too, like he's going to be. I think he's going to be the face of this franchise. Um, and I, I don't think, I think they're going to end up staying in Oakland. I really do. Um, I think like somebody put it in perspective, like the, I think it was the Patriots. It it might be a different team, but like the Patriots had signed, like they talk about how teams have signed deals with other cities sometimes and just back out. They just, you know, they just want to put pressure on the areas to get the stadiums. I know Oakland's now working on something to get them a stadium. So I think they'll end up staying there. Yeah. But it, it'll be interesting. But Oakland just didn't have – they were a shell of themselves, you know, the last two and a half games. Well, three games, I guess. Looking back on it now and seeing what Ryan Tannehill signed before the 2015 season, he's averaging over $14 million a season. Derek Carr, you know, now it's going to be two years later. And people argue that he's already better than Tannehill. People will argue that. I'm not willing to get into that without doing actual research on it. Um, so you're probably right. Uh, Carr will probably land something upwards of 16 to 17 million per year. And the first four years, he made only 5.37 <laughs> million. You know, and we talk about this all the time. You got to com- compartmentalize and look at it in context. It's all because relative. when you're talking about it in terms of what we're making for what we do and what they're making for what they do, you know, it, yeah, yeah that, but that's like the biggest apples to oranges debate ever. You got to take it in context and car- compartmentalize all this talk when you're talking about professional sports salaries, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, so I guess I'd be shocked if he'd get more than 17 million a year. But man, that's an exorbitant number. I don't think I would be shocked. I think I'd be shocked if he gets north of 20 million a year. But what I don't is think... the biggest quarterback contract right now? Well, see, I know the Breeze one was weird, but I think they, I don't think they restructured, but I think it's like kind of like they figure it out. But yeah, some of these contracts on these it's... quarterbacks are, are absolute, absolutely insane. Well, and they've, um, they've earned it. Well, no, the no, position I, itself has earned it if you're an elite talent. Right. Exactly. You know, like, Denver, right, was paying Peyton Manning a ton of money. And you know what? They won the Super Bowl last year. And people say they didn't win because of Peyton Manning. And I'll listen to some of that. Like, I know they didn't win solely because of Peyton Manning. But I know they lost some guys off that defense. But they were a heck of a lot better last year than they were this year. And what was the biggest difference was having a rookie, well, you know, an inexperienced quarterback, Versus having an experienced quarterback. You know, like, I just, when you look at some of that. My guess is Eli, Matt Ryan, and Ben Roethlisberger have to be making a lot. Now, this is breakdown by the entire roster at that right. position. So, it's not the best marketing. It's not exactly what I was looking for. Um, What's well, got to be, though? Because uh, Landry is not making that much in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Now in Dallas, you have an interesting situation where the backup oh, right. is making, yeah, but that'll be re- rectified in the off season. Roethlisberger is making nearly twenty four million this year, yeah. while as Landry Jones and Zach Mettenberger are barely making one point three combined. Right. So Roethlisberger is fifteen percent of the total cap, the entire cap. 
the other two quarterbacks combined make up 0.8 percent of the total cap. <laughs> um, Carson Palmer in Arizona is making 18. Yeah. Um, now he's got a backup of Drew Stanton who's making 2.5, right. um, which is pretty decent for a and backup then a third quarterback. quarterback. I've never heard of. <laughs> right um, now, the Atlanta Falcons are up there. Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt gotta Ryan's got to be making bank this season. <laughs> Um, his cap hit is nearly 24 as well. So he's right there with Roethlisberger. Matt Schaub making 1.75. Yeah, I mean, he's earned it as a backup. He's in starter in this league. Joe Flacco. That's another big guy. Oh, that he's was making a, big money. Yeah, this year after yeah. that re, that new contract he got, uh, he's making 22.5 this season. Yeah. How's your mom feel about that? <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't talk to her about it a whole lot because uh, – they didn't. They didn't do so hot. But Eli, twenty four point two. So how how do you feel right now after the game today? Oh, that was that was not Eli's fault at all. <laughs> and and you know what they're going to be talking about after that game because the receivers couldn't catch anything in the first half. If you had to guess, real quickly, which team invested the least amount in quarterbacks in twenty sixteen? The least amount in quarterbacks in twenty sixteen. Just let me think. Um, I would say the Browns. See where they actually come in. Oh, oh. there they are. Griffin and McCown oh, both earning see. five million apiece. Yeah, with Kessler and Hogan at under six hundred yeah. apiece. So. Yeah, well, because you had such a volatile position in Cleveland, it was tough. Well, see, I, I knew Robert Griffin wasn't on his rookie con. Well, I don't know what contract he's in, but like I knew he wasn't making huge money. Again, downplaying five million dollars, but I let's see. You know who it is? Now? No, I. It'll jump out the, to you. Thought about the Eagles because they traded Sam Bradford because right, it's a rookie, and the rookie is is a set um, wage. But, but because he's the second pick, that's a pretty significant sum. You're just going to jump out to you immediately. Oh, we talked about him. The Broncos. Yeah. Paxton Lynch making more than Trevor Simeon. Three Lynch, times as much. 1.7 Simeon, 538,000. So their total of 2.2 yeah. is 12 times smaller combined than some of the single quarterbacks <laughs> like Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger are making. Um, so right there it tells you all you need to know about the Broncos quarterback situation and some of the elites in the league. Um Man, yeah, it's interesting to see some of these numbers for sure. Um, Chase Daniel making more than Carson Wentz, but we knew that. Chase Daniel yeah. was signed to a pretty high number. Uh, when he come had in to and when he thought Bradford. he was going to be the backup to Sam Bradford. You know? And really, they didn't know what was going to happen with Sam Bradford. I wonder if he's making the most of any backup quarterback in the league. $5 million is a high number. Now, I guess one of the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks is technically also the backup, and they're a little bit higher than $5 million. Tony Romo. Okay, yeah, that that because of injury. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, going into the year though, we knew our boy Chad Henney also was up there, four point seven five this season for yeah. for Chad um, Blake though going to be do a contract soon. He's only making five point six this year. That's going to be interesting. But that yeah, whole he, situation in Jacksonville is going to be interesting for sure because he actually is he do this off season? No, next, he's, he's the same thing more, as Derek yeah. Carr. Uh, so he's got another season. Um, he jumps next year to six point five. Because you think million. about like all these teams, like well, not all, but Jacksonville passed on Derek Carr to take Blake Bortles high. They took him high in the draft. Yes, um, was it third? Houston, Houston took Clowney, yeah. didn't they? Instead yeah. of 
Instead um, of a quarterback. Right. Someone like Bortles. You know, or, and I, not that you would have taken car number one overall, but, you know, like all these teams had a chance and they, and they didn't do it. So just interesting kind of like look at some of those things. But all that aside, Houston, um, you know, with, with their quarterback situation kind of stabilized, maybe a little bit because of injury, um, was able to get the win. Now they have to go to New England next week. Um, where, like I said, they got embarrassed earlier in the in the year, and that could be ugly for them. Yeah, not really much else to say. The the other interesting aspect of this game, and it's not so much the game itself, but the other stuff going on surrounding the Texans is the status of Bill O'Brien. Because there's a lot of words out yeah. there that some of the six teams looking for head coaches might be waiting for Houston to end their season because depending on what happened to this game, O'Brien would be fired. And there was a report that obviously now that they won this game, that's not going to happen. Right. But then a report came out that it wasn't really based on success and it wasn't necessarily coming from the team, but the coach that he might want to get out because he's not getting along with uh, the the general manager. Right. Right. So it could be interesting, especially because there were rumors last year. So the last two years, they've won the division both years. And there's been rumors from whoever based on whatever that O'Brien's tenure may be coming to a close in Houston, you know? So it's, you know, eventually, eventually when there's enough smoke, there's gotta be some fire there, right? Like I'm not saying it's going to come to a head in the next, well, let's see, they play on Saturday. So I don't think it's going to happen on Sunday, but you know, it could eventually it's, it's, it's going to happen. Right. And, the, and I don't necessarily think it's the owner. I don't think they have a bad owner. Isn't McNair the owner? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's him, but he doesn't get along with the GM like at all. I just, and I remember going on the show still bitter about him leaving Penn state and saying, you know, in two years he's going to be back at an assistant position or even the college ranks. Cause I just didn't see it working out in Houston. And Hey, I'm wrong about them. That's fine. I have, you know, the utmost respect for Bill O'Brien, you know, in hindsight, now looking yes. back after he left, what he was able to do at Penn State for two years and how he helped save the program. I have nothing but respect for him, man. So I want him to succeed. Right. Exactly. I have like I am not against him whatsoever in any capacity. I'm not really sure of any Penn Staters that are in the moment at the time. Yeah. Were we pretty upset? Absolutely. Because right. we're not used to someone coming and helping for two years and right. then leaving. Right. But, you know, now I, I want him to succeed. I want him to do good. And knowing what he's done in Houston without a quarterback in any of his years, if he would de- decide to leave, you know, be on his own free will or being forced out, there should be a team out there ready to jump at him. Mm-hmm. And actually, if the team doesn't want him to leave, but they know there's some friction there, they should pull a, a Raiders, Buccaneers, John Gruden well, and, scenario. And here's <laughs> a really interesting thing, too, because... So, looking at the Osweiler contract, they were talking about this during the game yesterday. He's pretty much guaranteed to come back next year because of just contract situation. right. Osweiler. But after next year, I think his guaranteed money is up. Like, I think they owe him like $16 million next year. And so, but to, to me, this just appears like maybe they've decided, all right, well, look, we're going to give O'Brien next year with Osweiler, who he doesn't want, but that's not the point. We're going to give him that year. And if we don't win the division or don't make strides, then we fire him. Oh, and we get our new quarterback, you know, with our new coach. When in reality, O'Brien's just, you know, he won't say it, but you know he wants a different quarterback. Well, and he's a quarterback guy. I know. He worked with Tom Brady in New England. He did wonders with Matt McGloin at Penn State. Matt McGloin is in the pros because of... 
of O'Brien. That would have been a nice thing to see McGloin start for the Raiders against O'Brien as yes. the Texans coach. That would have been incredible. That would have been great to see. Um, unfortunately, uh, not to be. Uh, just like today, another storyline is having both Pouncey brothers play against each other. Of course, the Dolphins version was injured. Um, but we'll get to that game shortly. But I don't, is there anything else to say about the Texans Raiders game that hasn't already been said? No, I think the Raiders is still, I think they've got the potential to be on, on the right side of things here. I think Denver is an interesting scenario because I think, honestly, I think Denver takes a step back further next year. Um, and then they start to kind of start rebuilding because they still have some pieces on that defense that I think are maybe past their prime that are going to leave. Now that'll, that'll open up some, some space over the next few years, but it's not like an instant thing. I don't think they're going to be in instant win now mode, even though they won't, wouldn't say that. I think they're going to build, um, trying to establish something there. San Diego is in constant flux. Like who knows what's going on there? New coach coming in. Um, Kansas City is something that's going to be interesting with Andy Reid just doing what Andy Reid does, you know, building teams that are up there in the you know top couple teams in their division and then trying to figure out what's what's going to happen, you know. So um, we'll see. All right, we're getting a request that we talk about the Seahawks. So okay, let's, let's talk let's about the on. Seahawks. Let's move on. And That was the best game they've played all year. The Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about Houston. No, because it well, could be argued well, that that is the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. but this was the first game that they won by double digits, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and they're going to get smoked. Oh, they're going to get England. smoked in New England. Yes, mm-hmm. not to you know, we love Bill O'Brien, and why don't get me wrong. I would love. <laughs> I th- that may that be would make the game. So I'm happy. Well, there are two games where I'm going to be rooting really hard next weekend, and one of them is for Houston, and they're going to get smoked. And the other so is I'm for sorry. Kansas City. No. Yes, no, yes, it is. No, Don't lie. Not, yeah, no, look at that not. laugh. People, no, he not. does not want the Steelers to win. I am I am not saying that. I am not saying that. <laughs> Moving on to the Seahawks. All right, let's talk about the Seahawks because that's where we're getting requests for. And that actually was the second game on Saturday. The things I was most impressed with, Thomas Rawls and the offensive line actually being able to run. Um, that's going to be huge because the offensive line has not been good there all year. And that's been a story about how they don't spend any money. We talked about cap stuff on quarterbacks. They didn't spend any money on their offensive line. Um, but then Thomas Rawls being healthy and running was, was huge. But the other part was the defense played like the Seahawks defense were used to seeing. Now, some of that might be Detroit, but I, I mean, I, I just, the Seahawks are going to need that defense if they're going to be able to play well. And that defense is going to be tested this week as they travel oh, to it. Yeah. Well, we talked about, I think this was before the show, when we were getting yeah. ready about the Seahawks-Falcons game. Um, unfortunately for our Seahawks fans listening, neither of us think Seattle is going to be able to do it. Now, Seattle, they've been such an inconsistent team this year. There were some games that you're like, I can't believe they won that game, as in the one that they beat the Patriots in New England on, I believe, Monday Night Football. Yeah. That was a shocker. But then there's the game that they shouldn't have won but did, week one versus my Dolphins. And then I want to say week five or six against the Seahawks, or excuse me, against the Falcons. But both of those were in Seattle. And Seattle's a different team when you take them out of the Pacific Northwest and put them somewhere else. And this time they've got to go to whatever they're calling the Georgia Dome. Well, I don't know what That's sponsor what... that is anymore. Now, is it Mercedes-Benz? Because they no, used to do the Super Bowl. No, Mercedes-Benz is going to be the new stadium, but I don't think it's the stadium. Okay, okay. Now. So, 
the Falcons. I think it's an. I think it's an. I think it's like NRG. I think it's like one of. That's the, the Texans Energy Stadium. Okay. I know it's an it's an energy company. I okay. think I was just there and I don't. Know, <laughs> Anyways, the Georgia Dome, as we'll call it, inside in Atlanta, where Atlanta is particularly strong, just like the Seahawks uh, back home, and Atlanta is averaging in their last um, handful of games nearly forty points a game, and mm-hmm. over the course of the season, they're averaging I think almost. Uh, five touchdowns, so close to 35 points a game over the course of the entire season. And they've gotten stronger as the season's gone on, and they've had some players step up defensively, primarily Vic Beasley, who is up for um, Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, in, in the rumors and the circulation of the awards. I remember watching that part when they drafted him and thinking, where how does he fit? That could be, like, is that going to be the, the defensive answer in Atlanta? Like, I don't it took know. a couple like, years. Right. Was, it, was he it in the 2014 draft? It wasn't right away. I think he was. It wasn't right away, but he has turned into... No, they took Jake Matthews. Exactly what they needed. He must have been... Was he 15 then? He might have been 2015. I think he was. I think he was more recent. I don't think he was further back. Yeah, right there. Eighth overall in 2015, yeah. Vic Beasley. So, But at the time, you were kind of like, well, how does he fit? Well, who took over um, recently for Mike Smith in Atlanta? Oh, that's Dan Quinn. And where was he before he went to Atlanta? He was the mastermind of the Seattle defense. Right, he was the mastermind of the Seahawks defense. So Atlanta high-flying, high-powered offense getting it done. But it's the defense that's going to win them games because as you can stop the other team, and this is so cliche and so stupid to say, but if you can stop the other team from scoring points, this Atlanta team's going to win because they can put up so many. And so what you're saying is if Atlanta <laughs> scores more points, right. they're going to get If Atlanta game. scores more points than the other team, Atlanta's going to win the game. I'm, you know what? Are you I'm on board gonna, with that? I'm, I'm on board you with You got that? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. So, Falcons, Seahawks, two versus three, as it was drawn up. I think I, it'll be a fun and entertaining game. I think that like has these, a good chance to be a shootout, actually. Like, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think at times, um, you know, the Falcons, while they have some studs, they, they have given up points this year. Uh, I, I'm not well, sure and, off the top of my head well, how much they average well, I think, against. But. Well, I think the Falcons are going to win. Like, the Seahawks are kind of that, like, uh, you know, they're going to get it done. Atlanta has that history of not getting it done in the playoffs. Now, you know, last year they had the great start and then folded, didn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, I this Atlanta team seems different. But I know that's going to become the talk this week is, are they different? Are they different? Like, a different Atlanta team wins this game. And if they lose, Matt Ryan is going to get crushed. He is going to get crushed. Yeah, that, the, the stakes are definitely higher for Atlanta than they are for Seattle. Seattle, you know, people are pretty much in agreement. Right. They don't think they're as strong. If they could pull off this upset, it'd be huge. And Atlanta, there's so much riding for them. You, Seattle is like that college team slash like New England team that will rally around something. And I think traveling across the country, being the underdog, like they're going to play the whole disrespected thing. Right. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL right right now. And I'm not, I I still think Atlanta is the better team right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks win. But if I had to pick, I'm picking Atlanta. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if you told me next week, Seattle upset Atlanta, but I expect Atlanta to yes, win. I agree. Now let's address some of the comments we've got here on our live show. Um, Megan says, still rooting for our boys. Go Hawks. Obviously we expect nothing less from the Seahawks fan. 
Um, now Greg is I chiming know, in. I know Joe is really rooting for some, you know, uh, Richard Sherman pick sixes <laughs> and, and, you know, some post game interviews, you know, if, oh, if we're honored. Uh, to yeah. Have if we those. want to be entertained yeah. for sure. Now Greg's chiming in, uh, bringing up our fantasy championship, which he wrote Aaron Rodgers to the title <clears throat> over me, uh, in the two week finale last weekend. But, in my um, head now, I just picture Greg walking around doing the discount double check at the draft next year as he present the, <laughs> with the trophy tied yeah, to his back. Yeah. Um. So uh, he looks like he's pulling for the Packers. Um. My my dad says that he thinks it's going to be Patriots against Chiefs and Falcons against Cowboys. Of course, we'll get to a couple of those games. Um. And another says, Mark Rizzo says, "Go Steelers." He texted me earlier and was like. I'm calling the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're still working on a new set. No, Facebook fine. Live is a little bit different than what we're used to. So we'll hopefully take some calls in the next few weeks, which we plan on to be on the air on Facebook what, Live for Packers the next couple well months. Next week, we'll, we'll take some calls. We may make some calls, too. <laughs> um, but then well, when Denali is asking us to jump to next week and talk about New England, and we already mentioned that they're playing the Texans. So we already covered two games. Let's look at um, – the next week's game between yeah. Houston and New England. I think we kind of already alluded to it, but for those of you that made a miss at the beginning, we're, you know, admiral job that the Texans did beating a shorthanded Raiders team, doing it at home, winning division twos in a row, but they have to go to New England, which is an absolute buzzsaw. And I don't expect even, them even to put up much of a, is to be able to slow New England down, meaning even if they were to hold New England under 24 points, do you see that Houston team scoring? 24 points against New England, whose defense has been really good scoring-wise this year. Like, I don't see it. I don't see how that Houston team scores against New England. I just I just don't see it happening. So I I really struggle to find a way that Houston wins um, unless the defense plays completely, like, an absurdly high level. But I – like, I honestly think they would have to hold them, like, under – like, they'd have to hold them, like, 16 or less have a shot. Well, another thing to point out about Bill O'Brien and the Texans, they're doing this without JJ Watt. Right. Who, who is right. arguably the, one of the better players, well, in one four, of the best defensive players in, in, in the last four five years, years. He was, he was voted the best defensive player three, three of times. Those years. Right. Three right. out of those four years, he was voted the best player in the entire league <laughs> defensively. And he's not even on the field this year. He played what a game and a half right. or something like and that. The last game he played was at new England when he got hurt. Right. Like, when he came back too soon and was hurt worse. But I just don't see a way Houston wins that game. No, I don't. I really don't. I, I mean, I, I hate to say that because I want them to win. Oh, my gosh, But I'm a realist. Yes. I mean, Actually, how many outside of New England don't want to see the Texans win that game? One, because most people don't like the Patriots. And two, the Texans have never had that much of success. Now, they're only, what, this is their 15th season? They started in 2002? Something like that. So this is like their 15th year. 15th season in the league, 15th anniversary this year coming up. You know, how much have they really done? They've won a couple of playoff games now, which is more than I can say for uh, my team. <laughs> Literally have not won a playoff game since the Texans have existed. Ooh. They last won a playoff game December 30th, 2000. Sorry. Yeah. I, but you know, it surprised me not to get off topic and take a tangent. But the Eagles haven't won a playoff game since 2008. Well, technically 2009, 2008, okay, 2008 season. season. Yeah, I know. I looked that up today. I knew it was. I, knew I it didn't was, realize that that was that long for the Eagles. I yeah. did not. I had no, no idea. Because that was one of the things, and this is a tangent that I'm sure all these fans that are listening want to hear, but that was one of the things when 
people complained about getting rid of McCoy and getting rid of Deshaun Jackson and rid of all that, which I, I understand to some degree why you were upset. But at the same time, none of those guys ever won a playoff game in, in Philadelphia. Ever. <laughs> I, it boggles my mind. It, it's interesting statistic to look back. Now, and we're saying last time they won a playoff game, not that they went to the oh, playoffs. Correct, correct. That they won a playoff game. The longest streak belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals. Correct. Nineteen ninety, I think believe. Think about this. The Browns slash Ravens won won a playoff game well, since like more recently than because the Browns were ninety four. They won one. And I said, Man, that's tough to swallow for the for the Bengals because they have had so many chances recently and they, um, they're just struggling. But yeah, like you said, Houston, while they've had some nice teams and some nice things, like I just don't see them getting it done against this new England team. Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree. I, yeah. it's just, and we, we kind of talked about the other game from next week, Seattle and Atlanta. I think, um, the offenses for both teams, I think could have some success. Um, I just, I don't know if the Seattle defense on the road will be good enough to stop that Atlanta offense, which when clicking this year has been among the best in football. Um, been absolutely amazing, you know, and Julio Jones, you know, presents a dynamic that just many teams can't match right. offensively or defensively. Well, and they also have two studs at running back in Devontae Freeman, right. who also helped Greg win the fantasy championship, yeah. um, with Tevin Coleman backing him up. And then they also have Taylor Gabriel, who's exploded onto the scene, a Browns like cast off. Brown. Yeah, the Browns. Um, and looking great in an Atlanta uniform. Now, just to clarify the Bengals thing, like the Eagles, you said it was actually 2009. I was talking about the season. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game it was during the 90-91 season. It was January 6, 1991, where they beat the Houston Oilers in the AFC wildcard game. Whenever you're mentioning a team that no longer exists, yeah. and that's the last team that you beat, you know it's been a while. And well, when this and their streak is longer than a team that didn't exist and then came back in the Browns. Right. Like. Right. Um, now, this article I'm reading here is published over a year ago, actually, to the day. A year ago today, this article was published about published about the longest playoff victory droughts. And the Bengals at the time was 9,134 days. So we're now up to what? 9,499 days. Can I math correctly? Is that right? Something like that. So, and it was a leap year though. So we might, there might be throw an extra day in. Yeah, so it might actually be we count, even we won't nine thousand five hundred. Today's okay. not over, so technically, you were good. yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, crazy. The the last Bengals quarterback to win a playoff game is a guy who's now commentating for a long time about yeah. uh, NFL games in Boomer Esiason. Yeah, and that's that's a tough one, especially because they've been so good. You know, like I know there's a lot made of like the Lions. The Lions have been terrible most of the time since their last playoff win until now, but. The, the Bengals have been good, like the last like decade or so. You know, have been good more times than they've been bad, and they still just can't get those playoff wins. Yeah. Now I believe this one was broken last year, was it not? Did didn't no, Kansas the Chiefs, City the beat Chiefs Houston? Did win? Yeah, they won like thirty to nothing, and then went to, to New England, New England and lost. And right. Lost. Yeah. So the the a year ago, the second longest streak was the Chiefs, who hadn't won a but, playoff game since nineteen ninety four, and their quarterback when they did that was Joe Montana. Yeah, how crazy is that? The opposing quarterback was Warren Moon. <laughs> like when you start bringing up names like the that, names that I knew when I was little, right? But like, oh my gosh. But yeah, so 
you know, while there's some turnover there, then there's no, none of those streaks came to an end today. Like none of these teams, you know, were, were there to win, win games today. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how those games go. Those are actually the two Saturday games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, same times as this week, I think like four something. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, something. let's pull it up here and just, uh, it's Saturday, January 14th. Seahawks at Falcons is 435. Followed that evening by Texans at Patriots at 815. Um, the early game is on Fox. The late game is on CBS. Now going to next Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, it'll be Steelers at Colts. The Steelers got there by beating my Dolphins. And while, you know, the scoreboard, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, none of these games looked like they were close on paper. You know, if you're looking at the final scores, um, but it was actually Raiders Texans was 20 to 14 at one point. Seahawks Lions entering the fourth quarter was 10 to six. Um, the Dolphins game, it's, if you look at the box score, it never looks really that close. Um, I think 20 to six was the closest that it was other than when it started. Nothing, nothing. But Giants Packers, um, was 14 to 13 at one point right. before finishing 38 to 13. And the Dolphins game, you know, how the Steelers advanced to play the Chiefs next week, um, was by beating the Dolphins 30 to 12. But Miami looked awful early. They gave up two huge touchdowns to Antonio Brown. It's crazy to think that this is the first game ever that the Steelers got to play in the playoffs with Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and yeah. Antonio Brown and Antonio because Brown's, of injuries. Antonio Brown's first postseason touchdown. Yeah, in six tries. Yeah. Oh, and he got two to start off the game. Yeah, Back, almost like, immediately. Yeah. He had over 100 receiving yards in the first, like, six minutes. Yeah, if you were late, you know, grabbing your drink and getting to the couch, you missed it, but he had two touchdowns really early. Um, Yeah, the Steelers, the Dolphins look kind of like a little shell-shocked early, like just like they weren't ready. Yeah. I don't know if it was the playoffs or the bitter cold or just, you know, the Steelers well, hit they hadn't been there since on. 2008. Right. So They still haven't won since 2000. You know, very limited playoff experience. You might have some guys who were on other teams. Matt Moore's a 10-year veteran. Right. Had never played in a playoff game. Yeah. Cameron Wake had never played in a right. playoff game. You know, so you had a lot of guys raw, and a lot of people right. say playoff experience doesn't matter, and I just laugh at that. Right. But they were playing out of climate in a frigid Pittsburgh where kickoff the temperature was felt like one degree. Now it improved; it got up to feel like four degrees. You're me four degrees. Um, you're playing against a Steelers team that you already beat. That was one of their worst games of the season. Le'Veon Bell could easily be the MVP of the league had he not missed the first two or three games of the season. You're in Pittsburgh; always tough place to play. It, a lot was going against Miami. Oh, and they were missing their starting quarterback. Now they had been missing in the last month right. of the season, essentially. But you know, throw that all together, it also wasn't a great recipe for the Dolphins. Well, the, the injuries along the offensive line, as well, in the, Miami was without, I think, four starters on defense. But they've been like that for the last few weeks, so it's not like an excuse. Right. Um. So they lost by eighteen, which you know that's unfortunate. But they had cut the gap to twenty to and six at the beginning of the show. We talked about there were a couple moments in each game that could have been. That were the turning points in terms of having close, exciting games and the game just kind of getting out of hand. And I believe you're about no, yeah. to mention this moment in the in Well, the it was game. 20 to 6. Miami was driving, I think, within the final two minutes, maybe in the final well, minute yeah. of the first yes. half and gotten inside at least the 40, if not the 30. And it might have been in the red zone. I can't remember. No, now. it they, was. It was that like the like 15 10 yard line. 10, yes. Yeah. And um, Matt Moore rolled out. And no one blocked James Harrison. 
and he strip sacked Matt Moore. Steelers recovered, ran. Yeah, it was one. It was within like thirty seconds because the Steelers got the ball, took a knee, went into halftime. Right. So Miami was driving. Now I'm not going to say they were going to score, you no. know, and cut it to twenty thirteen or whatever. But if they do, but they had all the momentum on their side. They had finally, you know. I don't want to say they never, defense really never stopped Pittsburgh the whole game, mm-hmm. but Miami got something going. All of a sudden you score before half. If it's a touchdown, it's now a one possession game and you get the ball to start the second and half. And you, and this is despite being completely outplayed in the first half, you're only down by a touchdown. Right. Instead, James Harrison isn't blocked by Brandon Albert. He never bumped out. I don't understand why he's a multi-year veteran, but he didn't block James Harrison. He strip sacked Matt Moore. And you thought that was it. Well, Miami ended up getting the ball back, I think, next. I think it was still 20-6. to The Dolphins were driving. It might have been the first series of the second half. And what happened? Matt Moore got strip-sacked again. This was after he got absolutely decked by Bud Dupree. This is the second time that game he got (laughs) decked by Bud Dupree. Um, He and... um, Backup TJ Yates, he came in for one play, handed off to Jay Ajayi, and then Matt Moore came back in. And he got eventually got strip sacked and fumbled again. And that was pretty much it. Like when that happened twice, you got inside the 30, inside, you know, the, the close to the 10 yard like the first time, and you strip sack fumble, you don't get any points. Like that was just the way it was going. One of the comments is telling us it was first and goal when. when okay, so it was inside sack. the 10, <laughs> inside the 10 yard line. So, uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. Fun fact on Bud Dupree. So this is, this is completely right. went to Kentucky. But, but we had this talk earlier, and I think I had this discussion with you. So we're sitting at the SEC championship game, and I I buy a program because it's, you know, a game that I, I want to kind of have something from. And I'm not about to buy an Alabama or a Florida shirt. And so yeah, right. Um, in there, it talks about how Tim Couch, it says Tim Couch is the only player from Kentucky to ever be drafted in the first round. And immediately. You knew. And, well, I didn't know. Oh. I was just reading it and I was going to make fun of the Browns fan in our group. <laughs> and then immediately, like no hesitation, no like, oh, I need to look this up. But like come immediately, no. He's like, uh, the Steelers drafted a linebacker, well, Dupree. Like immediately a guy got it. Not a Steelers fan. Like got it. Like. I was impressed. We looked it up, and then we made jokes about the SEC. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yes. The SEC. The gift that keeps on giving. So, yeah, that was a Dolphins day. And, like, the state of Miami football for me has gotten to the point where Austin Bonanno commented nice that, you know, he said – he's a Steelers fan. And he said, you know, good luck today. And I, I said, thank you, know, you too. Just essentially, I'm pretty much one of those, you know – just happy to be here because Miami hasn't been to the playoffs since 2008. Right. I didn't expect them to win, but hey, because of things that have happened the way over things the last started with Adam Gase, this season could have been a disaster. Yeah. And well, the way things started in this game, this could have been even worse. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, you know, at times it, the team looked promising, but it's going to be great. Yeah, that's an interesting matchup with them going to Kansas city next week. Yeah. The Steelers you have, yes, the Steelers. So the Steelers are going to Kansas city. You have Andy Reid with a bye, an inc- insanely good record coming off the bye. Um, I I don't know. I feel like people count out the Chiefs a lot. I don't know. Like I think the Steelers are the, they're certainly the more dynamic team. Um, but it'll be interesting. I don't. I still think the Steelers defense. Can come up with big plays, but they're great when 
I think the Steelers defense is best when you're in when you're in a shootout or when you have to do something. And I don't know that that's going to be the case in this game. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, a little bit more of a possession type of game, you know, like more field position and things like that. But I don't know. The Steelers have those those weapons right now in Bell and Brown and some of those other young wide receivers that have come along. Like The Steelers are the more that, flashy team. Game. They're the more historically successful yeah. team. I wouldn't say more historically significant team. I mean, they, they're both uh, very yeah. significant in terms of pro football. Yes. Um, yes. The but, team I want I mean, to win this. Like twelve and four. Right. No. Like yeah. They're completely being overlooked. They right. are the underdogs in this. And I'm not going to go into points because I don't get into that. But from a pro football fan perspective, not just us in general, I think the nation is thinking Steelers win this game. Oh, absolutely. So the Chiefs should feel disrespected as the number two seed hosting this game. People expect Pittsburgh to win. Look, I know my in-laws would hate me for saying this. I'm not rooting against the Steelers. What I'm going to say is, wh- whoever wins this game. Needs to be able to beat the Patriots. I agree with you 1000%. Like, I couldn't, I literally could not agree with you anymore. Like, I don't, like, okay. Whatever comes out of this game needs to be rolling and healthy. Yes. Like, that's, that's all I'm asking for. Cause you for. gotta go to New England. You gotta go to Gillette. You gotta beat Tom Brady, who lost one game as a starter this year against the Seahawks. He's basically unbeatable at home. The only team that seems to give him fits are the Ravens and the Dolphins, and neither of those teams is left. And they just beat the Dolphins two weeks ago, completely destroyed them. So they weren't going to do anything next week anyways. So it comes down to Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Yeah, I know my uncle is rooting against the Steelers. He'd rather see Kansas City because they're not flashy. But that just goes again into the exact thing that I was just saying. There is no respect for the Chiefs whatsoever. None. None. They are the Seahawks of the AFC. Yeah, yeah I it, agree. And it's amazing what Andy Reid has done out there. I mean, what does Kansas City have? Yeah, silence. Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, Tyreek <laughs> Hill making all the headlines, if you want to overlook the beating of women part of it, that got him dropped off. No, seriously. I like, know. people just completely I know, ignore but see, it. Like, I he forget was... about it. But I forget about because it's Kansas City. Like... Right, right. But I mean, teams took him off draft boards because of his right. dom- domestic violence accusations and and the stuff that he, I mean, he didn't go to a significant program. He was coming out of a small school. So people already didn't know him because of that. Right. And then when you throw all that ridiculous stuff on top of it, right. you know, the Chiefs took a gamble on him late and it's paid off on the field for them. They're probably taking a little bit of uh, a choice of words here. Yeah, I know. You know, a rough time. PR, not yeah, the best. Yes. You know, but he's like their biggest contributor. You know, Alex Smith is the quarterback, but he's like a Trent Dilfer. He's a game manager. He doesn't ever really – he can lose you a game, but very rarely is he going to win you a game. Right. Um, as long as he can prevent massive issues and turnovers, he'll be good. But they, you know, they're kind of at a back by committee. Jamal Charles never got going this year because of injuries. Right, so they've been relying be on Spencer game, Ware. He? It, it, could he? I have no idea. Um, I don't know if it was him or where. I thought one of them had a chance to be back for this game. Now, I had seen that weeks ago. Like, so I do not know that that is an accurate thing. But I, I remember that just some talk of some people being back for the Chiefs in this game if they had, if they ended up getting the bye, which they ended up doing. So, um, but that, that's, I think the Steelers Chiefs is going to be a good game. Um, I saw like it could be icy. You know, and cold, 
So that could throw a wrench in things. Like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, it, that's a tough environment to play in. Oh, like, absolutely. You can't overlook that. Like, this is so loud. Um, um, I, I got to give the edge to Pittsburgh. As yeah. much as I want to pick the Chiefs, just... And I was saying this to Steelers fans a month and a half ago. I said, this is the moment. I said, this is the moment where the Steelers don't lose again. Like, and I've seen this. I've, I said, I've seen this movie too many times. Right. Like, they, they like, you know, hover around 500, ups and downs. Ever, you start to hear criticism of the coach. It was Cower before. Now it's Tomlin. And, it, you know, it's happened. And you hear criticism of the coach and all this stuff. And what happens? Not they always don't lose. is it a legend from your team. Right. They don't lose again. Like, that, that's what happens. Like, they don't lose again. And I, I, I'm just, I'm sensing that, that feeling from the Steelers this year. Now, and this is just coming to me, so this has nothing to do with what I just said. Um, I don't really care who wins this game as long as they beat the Patriots next week. But should it be Steelers-Patriots, that's my exact AFC Championship prediction from preseason. Now, I think I think I had the Steelers winning. I think you did, too. I Like, going to the Super Bowl. Right, yeah. I think um, you did. Because I thought you had Steelers over Seahawks. Did I have the Seahawks back in there? Maybe not. I, I know I, I did. I, don't, I have I the can't. Seahawks. We'll have, we'll have, have to go back and look because now I can't believe I had you had you no you had Seahawks Patriots for sure right and I had someone Steelers but I can't remember if it was Seahawks maybe I had Steelers beating the Seahawks and I you had you Seahawks did. beating the Patriots I think you did yeah hmm well I'm I'm pulling for the Steelers Very and that just to make me look just like make me look good there um, but as long as they can beat the Patriots I'm good with it. Right. Either team. Steelers. To be teams. very clear, I am not rooting against the Steelers. Yes, he is. <laughs> I would be happy for Andy Reid if if he were able to. Wouldn't that kind of be like a backhanded no. compliment to Eagles fans, though? Like you see Andy Reid. Oh, the Super most Eagle fans would be losing their minds. I'd be really happy for him. I'd be really happy for him. And I don't think they've run. They ran him off too soon. Like I think it was one of those things where like. They'd gotten worse a couple years in a row, and you know it was time for a change in Philly. It didn't work out. It didn't work out, but like you know, I think you just gotta go, gotta go with it. So, all right. So the last game to talk about is Packers Cowboys. Packers got there by winning the second half convincingly against the Giants. Aaron Rodgers, man. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, three of them to Randall Cobb, including one at the end of the second Unreal. half, little last play, forty-two Unreal. yard bomb that he hauled in. We've seen. You talk about seeing the Steelers do this so many times. How many times now have we seen the Packers and Aaron Rodgers do what they are doing? Yeah, and the, they're calling it. Like, they're calling it on they're here. They're saying, like, don't worry, we got guy, this. The guy dropped the ball or, you know, didn't make the catch with six seconds left. And Troy Aikman says, good, because now Aaron Rodgers can throw a Hail Mary. The, the half would have been over, you know. And he's absolutely right. And next thing you know, there's eight guys there. The Giants don't defend it well at all. And he comes down with the ball. And and at that point, you knew a game was over. Like, you knew. Like, well, yeah. I mean, it, like, you knew the Giants were in trouble. They went because, up 14 to 6. Right. But you watch this game and you know, like, you know those problems that the Giants had in the first half, including, I think, like four drops in the first half. I think they had five for the game. You know that's going to be an issue. Like, you, you know in a playoff game at Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and he just threw a Hail Mary. 
you know that that's going to come back. Like that, that can't just be something that didn't happen. You know what I mean? That's not going to be something where after the game, everybody's like, oh man, that would have been a big topic. Like, no, it wasn't going to happen. You knew that was going to be how it played out. In the early in the third quarter, it's all because they went to Miami. Mike McCarthy decided to go for it on fourth and inches, and the Giants absolutely blew the play up. That's a moment, and that and two plays later were a moment where you thought this could be the well, topic. Any other about. team, I would be like, game over. Like they just gave the other team now got all the momentum. They're gonna lose. When it happened to the Packers, I was like, eh. You know, the one thing, and I was with my dad at the time. We both said, "What? That was a terrible play call." They needed what fourth and it was like three inches. Yeah. And they decided to do a handoff into the strength of into a formation that they said and give the I, I don't like doing this, but give Joe Buck and Trey Aikman um credit. Perhaps. Like they were talking and the producers who were talking their ear. They talk I'm not sure the Packers had run that formation. I knew they hadn't run it in the game. I don't know that they had run it all year. Like it was a new formation. They don't run that formation very often. And it didn't work. No, it didn't. Work. My dad was the like, play got a, blown up by a safety. Do a quarterback who, sneak. Yeah, well, Landon Collins, Alabama, who, who did incredible. Yeah, but like he also he took the, on the fullback. Right. Also, the double team on the left. Well, the left tackle on the defense. The, the defensive left, defensive left, left tackle. tackle. The defensive tackle <laughs> took on both of the the center and the right guard and drove them into the backfield three yards. With Jonathan Hankins. Was yeah, that who it was? like just. Ohio State. Took both guys and shoved them in. And, like, so the whole play was blown up. The whole line got blown up by a safety and a, a tackle, you know, which is exactly, you know, right. like w- what the defense was designed to do. But my yeah, dad was like, why was that a quarterback sneak? And I was thinking, well, it could have been quarterback sneak. It could have been a quarterback draw. Did you see how much, like, the the weak side, the back side was wide yeah. open. Yeah. So, well, like, I've, how many times, too, have we seen the Packers throw it on fourth and one? Right. You know, like, they throw it all the time. Well, they're like the Patriots of the NFC. Yes. You know, their their short passing game or the passing game in general is their running game. Like, they rely on that. And the Patriots have gotten better with over the last few years. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, so the Packers ended up being up by a point fourteen to 13. You're like, you know, uh-oh, that could come right. back and bite right. them momentum down to the Giants. Well, all the Packers did was score 24 unanswered points. Right. To win the game 38 to 13. So they kind of did what they wanted in the second half. They clearly earned the right to go to Dallas and play the number one seed. Uh, Packers were a division champ. Giants, you know, second place to the Cowboys. So um, straight talk in all of the uh, wild card games to set yeah. up the division round. One Not playing only, four, two playing three. You said you won't mention it earlier, but I will. Um, not only did all four home teams win, but all four home teams covered the spread this week. Um they said every four to five years, you get a clean sweep of the home teams winning the wild card round. Last year was the opposite. Right. Last year, all four road teams won. Um, but like, like you said, from, if you look at the box score, none of the games were interesting. Um, if you watched the games, they all had their moments. They all got out of hand later in the games, though. So not exactly what the networks wanted, I'm sure, but. I would think um, next I think week next would week, be better. I think three of the four games are going to be really good games, and I think Houston we might be able to turn off by halftime. So, yeah, I think um, Seahawks have Falcons will start off especially, really strong, especially because it's the late game. I might. Oh just go yeah, to that. that that seems odd scheduling. That feels like that should be the one o'clock Sunday game. Like I feel like that's yeah. the worst time slot. I feel like I feel like the game that is on the best time slot is Texans Patriots. Yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, that just seems odd to me. Um, yeah, 
I don't know. Saturday night game. But yeah, Seahawks at Falcons, we favor Atlanta. Texans at Patriots, we favor New England. Steelers at Chiefs, we favor Steelers. Packers at Cowboys. What are you feeling on this one? I think the Cowboys are going to win. Okay. Well, that's interesting to me because I feel like as an Eagles fan, I know you don't want that to happen. But I also feel as an, as an Eagles fan, you've been dismissing the Cowboys. And maybe not you personally, but Eagles fans in general have been dismissing the Cowboys all year. The Packers are hot. They've won, what, f- at least five, if not seven, six in a row? Seven, seven in a row? In a row? Yeah. Okay, wow. I didn't realize. They were they were four and six at one point. I think so, yeah. I thought I thought they were five and six, one five, and then the regular season and or in the playoffs. Um, now, so they won six or seven in think, a row. I think they won six in a row when he like he made the comment of running the table, and they won their last six games. And then, or let me rephrase that: they, I think they won a game. He said, "We're going to run the table." They won five more, and then they won this. Okay, week so that would seven. be seven. Yeah, so it's six or seven, something ridiculous in a row. Playing the Cowboys, who they lost last week of the season to the Eagles, but no. didn't really make much of a difference. Don't get me wrong; I I know everybody. Our Browns fan friend texted me, "Thanks for ruining our pick." <laughs> <laughs> um, Dallas's only other two losses were to the Giants, who the Packers just annihilated. Now we know the transit property doesn't apply in sports, but. That doesn't give you, you, you think that, are you picking Dallas because you want them to lose? <laughs> like, are you like, I think Dallas is going to win because you think the opposite is going to happen? No, I, don't get me wrong. I do think they, well, I do want them to lose. I am picking them a little bit because I think I want them to lose, right? And so, like, part of that is I think the team I, I pick is going to lose all the time. Um, but the other, like, I, I think the Cowboys defense is better than they get credit for. I I do worry about the secondary because I still think the secondary is a liability for them, especially if the pass rush is not getting in. Um, I don't know what the Randy Gregory situation is going to be like. Is he going to be out? I know he's suspended for a year. Um, but I also know he filed his appeal. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know how that works. Third violation in a year. That could be an <sighs> ridiculous. issue. Um, and clearly the guy needs help, and Ed, that was known coming out of, yeah. of college. But that aside, you know, he had come on, and, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but Sean Lee is playing like a maniac. Good. Um, yeah, I like Sean Lee. I can't stand that he plays for the Cowboys, but I, I really like Sean Lee. I yeah. just think – I don't necessarily think it's, like, pretty, but I, they were too good this year. They were too good. Like. And it's not just getting lucky. The offensive line is incredible. Dominant. Maybe one of the, well, not maybe, one of the best offensive lines we've seen. You know what I mean? In the last decade. Right. Yeah. Easily. Like, you know, it's just unbelievable. Um, I think Green Bay is going to be a trendy pick this week. I agree. Because they're, they're flashier. Um, and, yeah, so it, it is a little bit I want them to lose, and that's why I'm picking them. Like, I'm kind of, like, hedging my bets so I can be right. like, oh, I knew it. I yeah. knew they were going to win. Um, I think they're good. Like, the, shocking. They're 13-3. and three. But, like, you know. <laughs> Newsflash. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know that they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, let me rephrase. They are well, good enough to win If they beat Green Bowl. Bay, they only have one team in their way from getting there. Right. I, I don't know if they are. 
Um, let me refer that. I know I don't know that they will win the Super Bowl. I think they're certainly good enough to get there if they limit their mistakes. Now, it would it I'd and it's the Cowboys. So part of me would love it to see the whole like oh terrible time to make the rookie mistakes like Elliot or mm-hmm. Dak or both have bad games. Um, that being said, like. I don't really like Ezekiel Elliott, but that's not not personally. Like I have nothing again to personally. He's a good running back for the Cowboys. That's what I don't like. Um, in Dak Prescott, I kind of like. You know, I kind of like. I liked him his second of last year at Mississippi State. I don't know. He was just exciting to watch. Um, I can't stand that he plays for the Cowboys, and I don't want the Cowboys to do well. But I I think they're going to be good enough to win this game. Yeah, this is the toughest one for me to to decide who I think is going to win. Um, a lot jumps out to me. Um, Dallas having the week off, that's been seen as a positive and negative in the past. The Packers rolling, you know, is that going to continue or are they going to hit a team that's better than them? The teams have played each other. Now we saw today the Dolphins beat the Steelers earlier this year in Miami. Now they flip-flop where the location was and the stakes and Miami got throttled. Dallas went to Green Bay in week six and convincingly beat the Packers 30 to 16. That was part of their losing streak. Now I know this is not the same Green Bay team we saw, um, you know, what, two and a half months ago, but Dallas already beat them once. So they obviously know how to do it, what to do. Is it going to repeat itself? It had what? 157 yards. Well, the first time the Dolphins played the Steelers, Jay Ajayi hit over 200 yards. Today he had, I believe, less, less than 75. So it's tough to beat teams twice in this in this league. I mean, it's really tough to beat them three times when we get to see that rare occurrence. Right. But Dallas already beat Green Bay once in Green Bay. I think it's going to be a good game. I don't see this game being a blowout for either team. Something's pulling me and telling me to go with the Packers. But I also think I agree with your statement where you're like a lot of people are going to be all over Green Bay, and then that's the time where you see the higher seed, the team that was better all year, take them down. Right. So I think in the end, I'm going to go with Dallas um, to have a Cowboys, Falcons, so, and Patriots, Steelers final four. Don't get me wrong, I would love nothing more than for a 13 and three Dallas team to lose in the first round and Dak not play. So great. And it just lead to the whole chaos of like, what do we do at quarterback kind of thing? Like, not that, not that they shouldn't, like he has earned that job. Like he is their quarterback, but like, I just, Jerry Jones can't get out of his own way. I, I still think like, I know his son is so much better at that job than he is. Um, <laughs> but I just like, I want to see Jerry Jones down, like, on the field screaming to put in Tony Romo. Like, that's what I I want to see that happen on TV. And it all just go down, like, in flames. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find out next weekend. With all that being said, I picked the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're pretty much <clears throat> completely in agreement. So we see it being Falcons at Cowboys and Steelers at Patriots as our final four NFC, or excuse me, the conference championship games in two weeks' time. So um, I think that's it. That's all from us. We've been on for over an hour. 
uh, it was very, very much fun interacting with everyone watching us on Facebook Live. Hopefully people come back and enjoy the way that we're presenting the show. And uh, it'll get better as I tinker with the new software. And uh, we enjoy the feedback. We enjoy the interactivity. That's always what we're looking for. So we appreciate that from everyone. Again, we will be back next week, same time, 8.30 on January 15th, recapping all of the divisional round games. And hopefully, once again, clean sweep for us because we predicted all four of these results that happened today. So we'll see if we can go four for four next weekend as well. Anything to add from you? Uh, No. All right. (laughs) Well, this wraps up episode 219 of the Joe Mays and J-Raff show. Uh, we hope you tune in every Sunday evening for our take on sports. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Joe Mays. That's Justin Raffoff. Live, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Ustream or Mixler and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.